Good morning, Bridge. Thanks for joining us this morning. So glad that you guys are with us today. Um, We are getting ready to kick off a new series here at Bridge. It's called You Asked For It, and today is the first day that we are going to begin this series. Now, if you're not familiar with You Asked For It, um, it is a series we do periodically here at Bridge where we actually look at topics and suggestions that are sent into us from our church. Questions that people really would like to have answers for. Big questions, and what does the Bible say about it? What does God's Word say about it? And how do we as Christians actually live in the midst of of that situation or that topic. Um, This is a really powerful series for us, um, not just because we get to answer questions that are being submitted, but because these are the kinds of questions that everyone outside of the church is talking about, and we need to talk about it within the church. Now, if you're not familiar with Christianity or the way that Christianity really is supposed to uh, or is designed to, to be, Jesus Christ didn't come so that we would have a religion and we would add him as part of our life. The Bible tells us very clearly that when we trust in Christ as our Lord and Savior, Jesus doesn't become a piece of our life. He becomes the centerpiece of our life. That means that the way that we live here in this world isn't just influenced by Christ, but it's supposed to be transformed by the way Jesus leads us and guides us. So really, as a follower of Jesus, our lives are supposed to reflect what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. And the way we handle these issues around us should directly be influenced by that as well. The first topic that we're talking about in the series is a very sensitive topic, and it's a very well-known topic that's being spoken about all throughout our country right now, and it's the topic of the racial divide. Today we're talking about addressing the racial divide, and we're doing it in a bit of a different format, something that we're not normally used to doing here at Bridge. We're doing it in a sit-down discussion format, and I invited a few friends to join me today as well. So I want to just thank you first off. We have Will Yancey with us, and uh, Will, thanks for joining us today and being a part of this. Um, How long have you and your family been a part of Bridge? Uh, About 10 years now. 10 years. Okay, awesome, awesome. Good to have you with us. Thank you. We also have Chanel Mulba, right? Hi, Hi, Chanel. Good to see you. (laughs) And thanks for being here again. How long have you guys been a part of Bridge? Uh, About three years. Three years. Okay. And uh, both of you guys are parents. Uh, You have spouses. You have children. And you also are very much aware of what's happening right now in our country. Uh, So we're going to be talking today about the racial divide. I know when I reached out to you guys, um, it is a very difficult thing to want to talk about, especially in a venue like this. Mm-hmm. But, but I just want to, again, say thank you for being willing to take a step and to be courageous to talk about it and to be honest. Um, you guys are some of the most honest people. You'll speak candidly, uh, but you'll do it respectfully. So thanks so much for being here today. Um, let's just take a moment before we get started. And let's just open in a word of prayer before we talk, okay? All right, so let's just do that. Father, we just come before you today, and I want to thank you uh, for Chanel. I thank you for Will, and I just thank you for the opportunity we have to talk about a very sensitive, charged topic, Lord. We know, Lord, that our, our country right now is experiencing all kinds of turmoil, and there's all these things going on around racism and equality and injustice. Father, I just pray that our conversation would honor you this morning and that we as a church would be open so our hearts could be changed, our hearts would be instructed, and that we would demonstrate the light of Christ in everything that we say and everything we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Now, this all really took focus a few months ago when we started the You Ask For It series and the topics 
But it's been just more recently when we look at what's been happening in our country that I picked up the phone and I called you guys and I said, hey, would you be interested in being a part of this? You know, especially in light over the last few weeks when we see what happened with George Floyd and his death, uh, his tragic death and murder, um, it has continued to just bring things to a new height in our country. Um, And, you know, I was thinking about this as we get ready to talk today. And I just I want to be clear about something because depending on where you're in our country or where you're from in our country, racism is not something that's as prominent for some people. But George Floyd's death wasn't a revelation of racism. We don't see George Floyd's death as a revelation. In fact, um, it just revealed what was already there. Mm -hmm. And that's what we see over and over in our country. We can look back months, years. We can look back decades and hundreds of years to see that there's been a history of racism, discrimination, and injustice that just continues to surface. So the point of us having this conversation today is to begin discussion. Now, um, one other thing I want to mention before we get started is when we look at this through the lens of Jesus, and that's what we do as a church, um, we have to remember why this is so important to have a conversation You know, when I look at Jesus, um, many times I think of Jesus as the miracle worker. Uh, He's the healer. He's the great teacher. Uh, He's compassionate and kind. But Jesus was also a great conversationalist. In fact, he met people where where they were. He, He sought to understand where they were. And then he brought them life and he brought them truth. And I think, you know, in our culture right now that that we are not very good at having conversations. Mm -hmm. Um, We're not very good at having discussions where people can actually speak about their feelings openly and honestly without being written off or condemned. So this environment is super important, and I hope um, to everyone who's watching today that it would be encouraging for you as well to see that good conversations are the beginning to bringing solutions to a difficult place or a difficult situation. So um, let me just get started, and either one of you guys can get started as we talk about it today. Um, in light of everything that's happening in our cult, in our culture, in our country, um, you know, how are you doing? Um, my answer to that's going to be different than yours. I'm white. You guys are both black. Um, how? What is? What's going on today? And how are you feeling in light of what's been happening in our culture today? I was going to say, I feel like um, my emotions go up and down, sort of like a grieving process. Yeah. You just yeah. don't know when it will hit you again. Just having that memory of George Floyd dying in that way. Um, when it originally happened, I know for me, I became frustrated. I started being sad, even as a mom, hearing him call out for his mom. Um, and then I was just like, I'm tired. I'm tired of having to continuously see this in the media where a black woman, a black man, or a black child is getting murdered by a police officer. Not all police officers are bad. There are some good police officers, but when are those good police officers going to hold those cops accountable? Yeah. Yeah. Well, what about you? How are you doing? Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm, I'm exhausted. It's, it's been overwhelming to have this sort of thing happening over and over and over and over again and to not really see an end to it and not feel like it's going to change. I mean, police brutality is not something that's new. Yeah. But there's a bigger light shined on it now because we're in the age of social media and everybody's got, you know, a video camera right. in their back pocket. Right. So I'm glad that, that the, the advances of technology have really started to shine a light on things. But it's, it's been a lot. It's very taxing. 
to be a part of all this and to watch it go down and just see it continue to happen over and over and over again. Yeah. It takes a toll on you. Yeah. Now, you guys, we've talked for today and we've talked a little bit about how it's really affected you. Um, But navigating the world where there's discrimination and racism is not new for you. It's not new for you. Um, how, How has racism and injustice affected the way that you think, the way that you live, uh, maybe the way you parent? Uh, what are some of the things that you have seen? And, and let me, before you answer that, let me just say for the sake of why we're talking about this, um, there are going to be people that are, that are listening to this this morning that are not going to be able to relate to some of the things you're going to say. In fact, as we've continued to talk, there are things that you've said that I can't relate to. Um, I can empathize, but I can't relate. Um, and that's okay. But it's not okay for me to stay there. Right. What matters is for us to first bring an awareness to what's happening. And that's really the motivation in doing this. So um, whatever you share, not everyone's going to get it. And not everyone's going to understand. And that's okay. Right. What matters is that we have the conversation and start. So talk to me about what does it look like um, in your life? What has it looked like for you to deal with racism, discrimination uh, in the way that you live, parent, however? Um, for me personally, I've been, well, I've been black my entire life. You've been black but, your entire yeah, life? Yeah, as far as I know. <laughs> Congratulations. Um, but That's I have, <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably most aware of uh, racial discrimination, probably around 11 or 12. Okay. And then that's when we moved from one state to another state. Yeah. So we moved from the East Coast to a small town USA, basically. Okay. And then uh, we were in a town of 6,500 people, and only two of them were black, other than my mother and I. Okay. So we, we doubled the amount of black people in the town, and it just it became eye-opening. It, it was eye-opening to be called the N-word for the first time. It mm. was eye-opening to, to go down the aisle of a grocery store and have someone come down the other end of the aisle and look you in your face and just see abject fear on their face and then turn around and go back out of the aisle yeah. to hear people whispering about you. You know, it was just it was a lot, especially for a 12-year-old. Mm-hmm. So then all of a sudden, those conversations... The conversations that I had with my mother were very, they took on a very different tone than they had before. And that was new to you at 12. Right. Because before that, you never had any experience with that. Right. When we lived on the East Coast, it was a pretty diverse area. Okay. So I had friends of all colors. I had people around me that were all ethnicities and backgrounds. So it was How did it affect you Um, and and influence the way that you live now? I mean, yeah. Well, I kind of, the vibe kind of became, okay, people are viewing me a certain way. So I need to make sure that. I represent myself as well as possible because I'm not just representing myself. I'm not just representing God, but I'm also representing black people for a lot of these people. I might be their only experience with a black person. Yeah. And I need to be that positive experience just in case they never have another experience or maybe they have a negative experience and then they can match that up with the positive experience, you know, that they had with me. So that's a lot of pressure. Yeah. And some of it was self-imposed. As a little kid, as a teenager. Some of it was self-imposed and some of it came from my mother. But, um, it's kind of helped me navigate life in a different way because I go into a lot of situations with people who don't look like me and I have to think, okay, how do I best present myself to make sure that this person isn't offended by what I'm saying or what I'm doing or how I'm dressed or what I'm just anything about my demeanor. Yeah. So sometimes I don't need that. A lot of times I don't need that. Most of the time I don't need that. But sometimes it's been very helpful and it's kept me out of situations that were, could have been harmful to me yeah. because I had that awareness. So situations with the police, you know, situations just in unknown neighborhoods or 
Yeah. yeah. So. Chanel, what about you? How has it affected your family, yourself? Um, I remember when I was in elementary school, we went to a neighborhood like five minutes, like right over the bridge from where we live. Yeah. And um, I went to go to inside the grocery store with my grandmother and my aunts to pick out a birthday cake. And as we were going up, um, one of the ladies mumbled. I didn't quite hear what she said, but then my grandma was like, did she just call us the N-word? And I was looking like, what is going on? My grandma was furious. Like, we just got the birthday cake and we went and we left. And after then, um, we didn't necessarily talk about racism, but my grandma did make sure, like, if we're going to the store, stand by her, don't touch anything on the shelves, because she had an experience where my aunt took something off the shelf. She put it back, but when they went up to the register the cashier thought my aunt stole something. Hmm. So ever since that experience, she just told us different things to do. So I always had to carry the weight of making sure I present myself well and respectful, um, even though, like, making sure they see me beyond my color. Yeah. Um, so even growing up with the hairstyles, if we wear extensions, um, sometimes you could get teased or they'll come up and touch your hair. It, it, it wasn't out of curiosity. You can feel it wasn't out of curiosity, but kind of like, oh, you have to wear this to make your hair long. You can't just naturally have your hair long. Um, also, go um, growing up being a woman and being in different positions, I have to make sure I talk a certain way where my assertiveness doesn't come off as an angry black woman. Hmm. or make because you because you're assertive mm -hmm. and instead of that coming across as being assertive it comes across as being angry by yeah some people. yeah especially if i'm disagreeing or i'm saying this is how you made me feel it's it gets twisted like i'm coming off as this angry black woman yeah so yeah interesting that both of you said something that was a similar theme which was, and you said it different ways, but one of the things that I heard you both say is, um, we've had to present the best version of ourselves through our lives. Mm -hmm. For which the we, people I mean, around us. We all us. do that anyway. As people, we want to present the best version of ourselves. We, it, it takes on a different bent when yeah. you're, you're yeah. black in this country. How, does, how is it different? I'm not well, disagreeing you, well, with you. I'm just asking how You, is it for example, you yeah. don't have to think about how your actions might be portrayed to someone. You don't think, okay, I'm stepping in front of this person. Let me make, I stepped on this person's toe accidentally. Let me make sure I'm loud and excusing my, or not loud, but you know, make, let me make sure I'm clear. clear and excusing myself or, you know, just little simple interactions. Yeah. You don't have to think, oh, this person might think that I'm a rude white guy. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's kind of like a 50, 50 thing for me. They might think that they might not. And most of the time people are probably not thinking it, Yeah. but those chances might, they're there that they might think, oh, he walked in front of me. I'm trying to watch this movie, and he walked in front of me. He didn't even say, excuse me, black people are rude. So, I mean, yes, that's a big jump. Yeah. But maybe it's not for some people. Yeah. So I don't want to give people that opportunity. Yeah. And I know that kind of seem, that might seem like hyperbole or like an exaggeration, but it's, it's kind of a reflection of my experiences as a black man. It is, country. but one thing I know about both of you is that you don't speak hyperbolic. You're not being extreme, mm. you know, so... Um, my point in saying that and talking with you guys, I don't hear you say uh, there's a racist around every corner. Every individual I interact with is, you're not saying that. No, I'm not we, hearing you guys saying that. No, we were but, raised to think every person is a racist. We still right. be respectful to them. Just know it may come off a different way if you do interact with someone right. who is racist. Okay. Yeah. You were raised to, to, to say 
Say that again. I was raised to treat everybody equally. Equally, okay. Yeah. Right. So and be respectful to them, no matter what yeah. what they look like or what type of life they style they come from. Yeah. You still treat them with respect and love and equal. Yeah. So if you do encounter somebody like that, I still somehow do know how to respond. But I don't mm-hmm. think every white person I encounter, I'm not going back think, oh, they racist. They don't like black people. Right. Yeah. So um, one of the things that uh, that we talked about was um, how prevalent racism is. And in listening to your stories, um, I'm, I'm curious. I'm going to play a little bit of devil's advocate, mm-hmm. not because I agree with this, okay, but I'm just going to say it. Um, there may be people that are actually watching this today that are saying systemic racism. I mean, come on. I, I'm not a racist. I'm not aware of a lot of that going on. Are we just making it bigger than it really is? Mm-hmm. And, and people believe that, right? Yeah, people we'll believe that. that. What would you guys say to people that are listening and maybe don't believe that it's as big of a deal that it actually is? What would you say to that? I would say I know I personally have experienced some systematic um, racism. If I go... For a position, I may have to present present myself or go to for that position maybe multiple times instead of just that one time to equally get it. Um, I know they have this thing called affirmative action for you to get into a college, but that still doesn't portray like why do I need that if you're still going to see me as equal? I still should have the equal opportunity to get into that college. Right. Um, so I I do see the I have experienced it and I do see it. Um, all the way across the board, even working in education with certain students that I work with um, in their own environment. They don't have the necessary tools or resources that they need in their environment where they live to help get the tutors, get the extra education that they need. Yeah. So. yeah. Well, what do you think? Uh, let me just say racism is bigger than just calling someone a name. Yeah. There's a lot more to racism, a lot of layers to it. So it, it's, it's seen, it's unseen, it's, it's woven throughout our history as a country. Yeah. So we can't just dismiss it. It's, it's easy to say, oh, well, I never called anybody the N-word, and so therefore I'm not racist. Or I don't hate any black people, so I'm not racist. You still could be. You still could have prejudiced ideas. You know, you just, there's biases that we all have. Even I, I have lots of biases. I know. That I, just, <laughs> I know. We've talked know. about you this. Don't, I know. And that's okay. That. Right. That's okay. Right. I mean, it's not okay to have a bias at our right. expense, but we can but, talk about it. Right. And right. it's helpful to be aware of them. Yeah. That's where the change starts to begin. Yeah. So um, I don't even remember what the question is. is Sorry. What was the question? It was just um, systemic racism. And what do you think to the, what would you say to the person that says it's not really very yeah. prevalent? right now um and i don't have experience to that and and you guys are talking about experience um i feel like it's easy to look at the the advancements that the country has made especially in the last 50 60 years and go well you know black people can vote now you're not riding on the back of the bus you had barack obama racism racism is over right you've solved it and that's that's not really the reality of things i mean the country is founded unfortunately on race and keeping people separate and keeping them divided and keeping black people underfoot. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, I don't, it's, not a, it's, not a, it's not a fun thing to say, mm-hmm. and it's not an easy thing to say. Yeah. But it's the way the I mean, Constitution says three-fifths of a person. Right. Mm-hmm. That's, how we, that's how we started out our beginning in this country. Yeah, I was thinking about that, and, and I only have to go back a few generations to see my, ancestor, my ancestors coming 
from other countries. But you can see your ancestors. Yes, right. I, exactly. So I can see them and I can have people. And, and I know when you look back over history, I think about my, my great-grandparents, my grandparents, my great-grandparents. There were pockets of areas where people would live in New York and, uh, and on the East Coast. And, and a lot of the cultures would stay together. I mm-hmm. understand that. And not everyone got along. But like what you just said is a big deal. Every one of the people that came over from those different cultures and backgrounds were considered a person. Mm-hmm. But when black people came over and were introduced into our country, they were introduced as three-fifths of a person. Right. And that's the foundation of where everything began. And we also weren't right. allowed to keep our culture. When Irish people came over, they were allowed to keep their culture. Yes. Right. Jewish people, Polish people, German people, they all have their own culture. We walk around, we have streets that are named after these people. Yeah. We, were, we came from different countries in Africa. They separated us as soon as they can, right. as soon as they could. Yeah. Kept us away from people that spoke our own language. Stick, stick my wife here. Stick my, stick my kids here. Separate. Yeah. So everything's broken a bit. You don't get to remember who you are. You don't get to track who you are. Yeah. I don't know how far. I don't know what country I came from. And it's pretty much impossible for me to figure it out. Really? We have to, I mean, my lineage stops at a farm in North Carolina, as far as we know. Okay. Right. And that's, that's it. That's I don't right. know about anything before that. Yeah. So when, when people are purposefully divided and broken up like that yeah it makes it impossible not impossible to move forward but it makes it much much harder to move forward when that is the history and then the history still continues to repeat itself in a lot of different ways and that's the piece when you're talking about the repetition because i know if people are listening to this um and i've I've heard this bent um i'm not going to say in the church wherever i'm just saying i've heard it and i'm not pointing to in the church i'm just saying this is a message i've heard in our culture um and again, I'm playing a little bit of devil's advocate, but Will, how many years are we going to continue to go back and remember all of the things? How do we move forward when we're always talking about the past? Again, I'm not disagreeing. I'm not agreeing with it. I'm just saying that's a thought that people have and to say, well, if you keep bringing up the past, then how are we going to move forward? Right. What do you say to that? Well, the past isn't just the past because the past is still the present, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of the things that we experienced before, we're just experiencing now in a different sort of way. Right. Yeah. Right. So it can't just die because it's not going anywhere. Yeah. If racism just went away, I wouldn't have to bring it up. Right. But it, it hasn't gone away. Mm-hmm. It still manifests itself. There's things that this country was built on that we are still experiencing. I mean, generational wealth, for example. Um, the fact that white people were able to own land and black people were not. Right. Uh, the idea of redlining. You know what redlining is, Pastor Paul? I've heard of it, but I can't remember. Okay. So essentially, banks would not, um, they, they would look at a map of a town and they would section off different parts of the town. Oh, yes. And they're like, okay, black people can't buy here, black people can't buy here, black people can't buy here, but they can buy here in this one little area that's an undesirable area. Right. And sometimes they wouldn't give out certain, like give them loans right. to even purchase a right. home. Yes. So. Right. Yeah, I've heard of that. So like things like that, that puts us at a disadvantage. We're not, yes, the Constitution says now that we're equal and the law state that we're equal, but the footing is not equal, yeah. and we're trying to make up ground constantly. Mm-hmm. And even when we're trying to make up ground, there's things that put us back. Yeah. So it doesn't just go away. I wish it would, but it yeah. doesn't just go away. So it's not like we're just trying to bring up the past over and over and over again. It's just that things have not been rectified. Yeah. Right. Well, and we can sweep it under the rug as much as we want to, but the, the reason why we're talking about it in this context is because if we don't have an awareness of really what has happened— 
then how really do we move forward? Because right now there's this unrest across our country Mm -hmm. in protests and violence and all kinds of injustice that's been happening and people have been really coming unglued, you know? And everyone has an opinion on what's right and what's wrong. Everyone has an opinion to look at how all this stuff is, what's right and what's wrong. And that's where as the church, you know, we're talking about this You Asked For It series. I know people outside the church have an opinion on it. What we have to ask ourselves is what's God's opinion? of racial injustice? What's mm-hmm. God's opinion on inequality? And, and what do we believe the right thing for us to do as Christians? And how do Christians not just know what the right thing is, but how do we do something about it? Right. And we have an obligation as followers of Jesus to do something about that. Right. Um, when you guys look at scripture, when you look at what the word says, um, how do you view God's word on this topic, on racism and injustice? What do you see in scripture? I see that he loves justice. He wants us to actually stand up and and do what's right, like stick up for one another to treat everybody equally. Yeah. Um, and that's just making my heart glad because there's no way you can be a Christian and just take that little part and not do it because that's what God says over and over in his word. That he loves word. justice. Mm-hmm. He does. Yeah. Yeah, he does. He, he pursues loves. it and he wants us to pursue right. it. Yeah. Right. I mean, you see examples of that all throughout Old Testament and New Testament, mm-hmm. how God looks at his people, Israel, but then he says, like in Leviticus, when he talks about the immigrants and the foreigners that come into the land, how that when you harvest your fields, he says in Leviticus, that you leave a perimeter available for those so that they have something that they can glean because there's a respect in that to be able to say, make sure that there's enough, not just for you, but there are those for others as well. I mean, that's one example. You can fast forward through the Old Testament and see other examples of how we see that um, um, play out and what God says in the book of Isaiah regarding the eunuch and how they're different than everyone else. God says there's a place that you can be a part of my family. But if you go into the gospels and you look at Jesus, I mean, and really Christianity isn't Christianity without Jesus. Right. (laughs) <laughs> All Jesus did, right? That was profound, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Brilliant. Everything that you see in the way that Jesus lived and what he did was to blow up the world's version of what they thought was truth and to show them the kingdom of God. Right. He was Not, radical. He was radical in that regard. Now, radical isn't synonymous with... Um, uh, with um, what's the word I'm thinking of? He said uh, he was he wasn't uh, violent right. in that way. Right. He was right. radical in zeal. He had right. he was yes. zeal, right? But yes. but look what he did. I mean, so many examples through the gospel of how he looked at people in that culture, and he showed them that they mattered. He showed them that they were valued. He showed when when the disciples saw the little kids coming to him, and they were like, you know, in that culture, children should be seen, not heard. Get these kids out of the teacher's way. What did he say? Um, Yeah, I mean, let the kids come to me. Let the kids come to me. Or I think in John four, when he sat at the at the well with the Samaritan woman. Mm -hmm. Just thinking about that again today, how the words that the Samaritan woman were so powerful, right? Because Jesus, a Jew from southern Israel, was having a conversation and speaking to a Samaritan woman. And Samaritan or Samaritan? Samaritan. Okay. Samaritan woman, and he was up in um, the the region of Samaria, and he was at this well. And he talked to her and said, woman, will you give me a drink? And the first thing he, she said was, why are you asking me for a drink? Mm-hmm. And then he says, you, and then she says, because you know that it's not right for Jews to associate with Samaritans. And I'm sitting there looking at that going, the division that existed so strongly in that time when Jesus came was so polarizing that a Jew couldn't 
associate or converse with a Samaritan who was like half Jew, half some other culture because they considered them unclean and basically dogs, that asking her for a glass of water, or in that case, a cup of water, was considered inappropriate. I mean, think about that and talk, talk about division and racial divide. And Jesus blows it up over and over and over again. And we yeah. see that all through his life and we see it through his death. Right? Yes. That he died. He died not just for one, he died for all, which which brings up a really interesting point that I wanted to talk about. I think you know where I'm going with this. Mm-hmm. People say that, you know, Jesus died and um, he didn't die for one, he didn't die for blacks, he didn't die for whites, he didn't right. die for any cultures, he died for everyone. And um, there's a lot of stuff floating around in the internet and memes and and I just gotta tell you, like half the stuff that I look at or more, like it just just repulses me to see some of the stuff because you go on the internet. I do. Okay. I do. I just got a phone the other day. And the word <laughs> Come on, man. I'm not that old. <laughs> no, I meant, you know, or a pastor. Pastors are above all that. Oh yeah, I do. That's yeah, I, I do. That yeah. was the joke. That's, that's how I get my sermons. I type it online. Oh okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's how I do it. Yeah, I'm just kidding. That's not true. <laughs> I'm going to run it through Google next week. You can try it, but you won't find this one. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, we were, when you look at who Jesus is and you look at the way that he lived he died for everyone. We understand that. But, but the message of Jesus dying for everyone, in a way, is being used and twisted mm-hmm. in our culture right now mm-hmm. to almost elevate some over another. Okay. So we're going right. to talk about you know, probably one of the most charged phrases that I hear people talking about yeah. right now. And you know what I'm talking about. Yep. Right. Black lives Life matter. matter. Yeah. Right? And if people say black lives matter, there's another group of people that say what? All lives matter, matter, right? And then there's this volleying back and forth between Black Lives Matter and All Lives Matter. And Blue Lives Matter jumps in there. Yeah, Blue. Oh, I forgot that. I was just going to say that too. Blue Lives Matter. Blue Lives Matter. That's right. And they most certainly do. (laughs) They do. (laughs) They do. do. Um, But but here's why I think this is so important to talk about. Because I think one of the systemic problems we have is people, and I'm going to put it within the church too, uh, because I think none of us are very good at this. We need to grow in this, is that people are not generally interested in seeking first to understand Mm -hmm. that they are seeking first to be understood. Mm -hmm. So when, when I say something, I want you to know, I want to know that you get me. And then when you respond, you want to know that I get you. So what I see happening in our culture right now are people saying black lives matter. Do you understand what I'm saying? And Chanel, if you use that term, what are you saying when you say black lives matter? I'm saying Black lives matter. Not we do agree all lives matter, but at this point we are hurting and we need everyone else on board to say they need to be treated as equal as well. Yeah. Um, we're not saying there's good cops, there's good people out there. We know that, but at this moment in state, like we're like, what else can we do? We we protest peacefully. Um, we saw other ways to do it, voting, all that stuff. But at this moment, we're just like, we're tired. We're exhausted. Yeah. Can you please help us? Yeah. So, so there are, and what about you, Will? What do you say when you, when you either say that or you hear that? What do you, right. what do you associate um, with? Yeah, it's the same. I don't, it's not Black Lives Matter more right. than everyone else. It's, yeah. not, it's not trying to elevate anyone above anyone else. Yeah. It's simply there's a lot going on in our community right now. Yeah. And we are under attack and we are asking for help. Yeah. It's really just a call to help. Yeah. I think that was really powerful to hear you say, we're hurting. Mm-hmm. We're hurting. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I, I really, when, when I say it, and, I, and it's, a, it's a charged statement, but you know, if, if I would say Black Lives Matter, I would say the same thing. 
that when I say Black Lives Matter, I'm saying, you know, I know people, friends of mine, people part of our church, and they're hurting and they're scared. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Their lives matter and are valuable just as much as everybody else's, right? Um, There are people that I see as we look at the society around that aren't saying it for that reason. They're saying it because they're supporting an organization. They're supporting a movement. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think that's one of the reasons why it can be so racially charged. But here's the piece that I'm going to back up and, and get back to what I was saying earlier. If I tell you black lives matter, I'm saying, understand me. And if well, you, if you tell me Black Lives Matter, I'm saying you're saying understand me. Right. It's a statement. If I say all lives matter, I'm saying understand me. And this is what's happening in our culture is, do you understand me? No. Do you understand me? Right. No. Do you understand me? No. Do you understand me? And that's not the way the church is supposed to live. Mm-mm. When Jesus came, he came to seek to be, un- he sought understanding of those around him. That's why he would meet someone right where they are. And he would recognize their situation and he would meet their immediate need. And the whole reason that he was saying that or doing what he did was to say, I see you. I see you. So when I hear you say that, I hear you say something that I hear you say I'm hurting and I'm trying to respond by saying, I see you. And for me to respond by saying, oh, yeah, well, all lives matter basically says, I don't see what you're saying. That's exactly it. I don't understand you. And you think you're better than I am. (laughs) Right. Yeah. But that's me trying to tell you what I believe right. and not me trying to understand what you believe. Right. Right. And I wonder what it would look like in the church today if we did two things. If first we desired to seek to understand and not be understood. The first thing that we do is to understand others. We ask questions, you know, in James, uh, in James, uh, it says uh, that everyone should be quick, quick to listen. listen right. Mm-hmm. Slow to speak. And quick to anger. Slow to anger. anger. Just testing you there. Just like Samaritan. Samaritan, (laughs) Right? But we should all be quick to listen. (laughs) I wasn't even testing you. I was just just kidding. For my own clarification. I know. But it says we should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. Mm -hmm. And I have to ask myself that every day when I look at what's happening around us and this world around us. Am I quick to listen? Or am I waiting for someone to stop talking so that I can tell them what I believe? Right. Right. That is the world that we're living in right now. Sure. And if you, if you jump on social media or you listen to news broadcasts, everyone is telling you what they believe. Right. And few people are telling, them, telling others that they understand the other people. Right. Right. And as the church, like we can't rely on people and politicians to get this right. As Christians, it's our responsibility yes. to lead the way. Mm-hmm. That we don't respond to the culture, we define the culture in this right. way. And that's why I think it's so important for us to have these kinds of conversations because you guys need to know that we understand. Right. Right. I may not fully understand what you're going through. In fact, I know I'm never going to be able to understand. Sure. You know, I mean, you're... Um, you're a, a black man that grew up in the East Coast and the Midwest, and you've had a whole different type of experience than I've had. I'll never understand everything, but I can tell you that I see you and that it matters. And I appreciate that. Thank you. Because you do matter. Thank you. Matter you're as well. well. And you matter. And you matter, Shane. Thank Where you. We don't Thank want you. Chanel. Thank you. Well, I'll get out later. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> All right. There's a couple other things I wanted to talk about, though, today. I mean, because, yeah, the church needs to respond to that. And we see that message all through scripture. And that's the beauty of the gospel. I mean, think about this. When, when Jesus came and he died and the Holy Spirit came in Acts chapter two, after he rose and he ascended back to heaven, the Holy Spirit came. What you saw was every 
tribe and color and creed, declaring the praises of God in their own tongues. Mm -hmm. The disciples declaring in all these different languages, they heard them declaring it. And that was the message that God was taking the diversity and he was unifying them. Right. You know, and I've heard people say things like, you know, I don't see color or, you know, I'm not racist because everyone's the same to me. I don't think that's the message of the cross. And I don't think that's mm -hmm. the message of, of Christianity. Right. Right. Christianity isn't about everyone looking the same and acting the same. It's about in the midst of our diversity, that we can still be unified, right, right? Right. Because there's things that you can do and bring to the table, Chanel, that I know I can't. Right. And will the same thing. And vice versa. There's things I can bring to the table that you can or you can't. Right. But what would it look like in the church today if we really do raise up this, 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 um, that we stand on this, on this platform. And I don't mean to like protest platform, but I just mean we have a position where we say, Yes, we are going to recognize diversity and there's going to be great unity right. in the midst of that diversity. Right. You know, Jesus said in John chapter 17, this was before he was arrested and crucified and killed. He said a prayer for his believers, for his, for his um, disciples. And then he prayed for all of us. And he said, I pray, Lord, that they would be one with each other as you are one and I am one with you. And that was a prayer that he basically said the way that, the, then he went on to say the way that the church, the way that the believers live in a spirit of unity is going to be proof to the world yeah. that he is who he says he is, right. Right? right? right. So we have to ask ourselves, you know, we can talk about church services and, you know, come to our church and, you know, we have good worship music or, you know, our pastor's really good looking or, you know, or whatever. Uh, I'm just kidding. He's <laughs> got a great hairline. Sure that's what the website you know, says. That is what the website says. Well, it will tomorrow. Um, but people, people can, can push all of these things forward and we can say, this is why you want to be a part of our church. But if people walk through the doors of our churches and they don't see unity in the midst of diversity, then what do we have? What do we have to offer? Right. And are we really being like Jesus called us to right. be? Mm -hmm. Are we just a microcosm of what's out there? Yeah, right. exactly. Right. And that's for so long. Has the church set the standard for our culture or are we just responding to what's happening around us? So Christians should be known. I challenged on an ongoing basis to say, you know, I have lots of opinions. You know, all of us have opinions. Right. Anyone that knows me knows I have a lot of opinions. Um, but sometimes my opinions are not based on what Jesus says. It's based on what I believe and what I say. And I need to always submit my opinion to Christ because he shows us that he values every human being. You know, one of the things that probably grieves me, one of the things that grieves me the most through the situation about George Floyd was that there is a whole movement of people that are looking at what happened to him and they're discrediting his value because of his past. Right. You know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. Right? I mean, he has a history. Right. As all, as all we all do. Right. As all of us <laughs> yeah. do. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. he wasn't an upstanding citizen, right? right? I mean, right. we see in, in some ways, I don't want to make a declaration right. and just label him, but he wasn't an upstanding citizen in some ways. There's a rap sheet. He was involved in different offenses. He was in prison. We know that and we see all of that. But what I don't understand in our culture especially people that are Christians, and I'm not saying individuals are doing it or not, I'm just hearing this, but as a Christian especially, why can't we grieve with those that are grieving right. with somebody 
who died an unjust death. Right. It doesn't matter what he did before he lost his life in that moment. What he did did not warrant how he died. Right. right? Exactly. Right. It's irrelevant. It's right. irrelevant. It's totally irrelevant. Right. But people are taking all the past and saying, this guy was a really bad dude, and here are all the things that he did. And almost what they're trying to do is, is reduce his value mm-hmm. to say, to yeah, it's okay. tragic that he died, but let's not lose too much sleep right. over it. And this isn't the first time this has happened. It no. happens a lot. No. Right. Well, happens- look at Ahmad. Right. right. There you go. I mean, it, that was only a couple of months. Brianna Taylor. Same right. thing. It happens right. constantly. Right. And people Trayvon are looking. Martin. Trayvon Martin. Trayvon Martin. Back years you can ago. keep going back. Right. And, it, and there's always a group of people are that are trying to look at the person's rap sheet or their history to say, were they an upstanding citizen? Basically, was it not as bad that they died the way that they did? And you know what really grieves me about that from a Christian's perspective is that's the exact opposite of the church. Right. Jesus didn't come because we were good enough and our background showed us that we were good enough, right? Right. right. He came because we could never be good enough. Right. And if he treated us the same way that we treat others in this situation, the gospel would never be the gospel. No. Right? Nope. You preaching, Pastor Paul. I know I'm preaching. (laughs) That's the job, right? But it's also in my heart. But I think this is important for us to know as the church because when I listen to people talk about this stuff, they jump right on the bandwagon and they talk about this, right? Yeah. And they say, oh, let's list all the bad things that he did, right? Yep. Do we disagree with the fact that he had a colorful past? No. Do we disagree with the fact that he did some things that were not right? No. I mean, we talk about all these examples, but do we agree on the fact that his death was unjust? Yes. yes. I do. Yes. I do. And why can't we grieve with families that are grieving with others, right. with, with them? Right. Honestly, for me, other than you saying that and just hearing it from other people, I never even looked into it. Because it doesn't matter to me. Right. It's, it's that irrelevant. Right. We saw nine minutes of what we needed to say. That's right. And that's, that's enough. We don't need to know anything about what his past nope. was before that. If what was happening in that moment was not justified. Right. If right. the way he died was not justified because of his actions. Right. And I was thinking was from the standpoint of it's, it, he has a little girl. He has a family. They're grieving. Right. But anytime someone grieves and they have a funeral, we don't air out all their dirty laundry. Yeah. We're great. We think about those good things that they did contribute. Right. Yeah. You know, all of the, 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 all the, that's a great point. All the funerals that I have been to over the years and, and not every person that's passed away that I've been a part of their funeral or done their funeral has been, you know, the most upstanding person or just in love with God. And they were the most, whatever. Some of the people had a really sordid past. Right. I've never heard someone at one of their funerals stand on a platform with a microphone and say, you know, I'm here to, to let you know that this person was just a jerk. I've never heard anyone do that. What do right. we do as families, as friends, as loved ones? We look for the things that connected our hearts with mm-hmm. theirs. Even when it's hard. Right. Even when it's hard. Right. right. Why can't we do that? Right. We need to be able to do that. Because here's what I know. Jesus did that. Right. He didn't just look at the people. I mean, if everything that he did that was good was conditional on the goodness of the people that he interacted with, he would have done nothing good. Right. right. And he'd do nothing for us. The I woman caught in adultery, he looked at her and he says, where are your accusers? Let the one who's without sin cast the first stone, which was only his right to do. Right. Where are your accusers? He says, they've left. He's like, well, I don't accuse you either. Go. And then he says, sin no more. What is he saying? There's a new way of living. Right. And the new way of living doesn't mean your past has to define your future. Right. Right. Yeah. It's really good. Let me let me ask you guys, um, as we as we look at wrapping up our conversation in a few moments, um, there's going to be people that are listening to this 
that don't like some of the things we said. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. There's going to be people that agree with it, and that's great. There's also going to be people maybe that don't feel like they can relate. And to those people, maybe in their situation, they don't really have a lot of experience with racism, as we've talked about it. Um, What would you say to the people that are listening today saying, you know, thank you for bringing some awareness to the situation, but my life doesn't really, isn't really impacted by what you're talking about because I don't have a lot of black friends or people that are different than me. Um, so then it doesn't really apply to me. What do you say to people like that? What do you say to people that are in the church? And how can they still make a difference when they don't feel like their lives interact with people like that? Well, for me personally, I would say educate yourself. Um, even if you don't have black people around you, you don't have black people in your environment. You don't have racism that you can point to in your environment. That doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Yeah. And, I mean, I think we can see that it exists. Yeah. I think you have to have your head really in the sand to, to not be able to acknowledge that it exists. Yeah. Um, but there's, there's so many resources out there. There's so many different ways to get involved and, and to find out more about what's going on and about the history of this country. And the, the history of the country is in terms of race, is pretty sordid, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. And black people have had a lot of accomplishments, and we've achieved a lot. Yeah. We've mm-hmm. also had a lot of problems as well. Right. Mm-hmm. And our history is woven throughout the history of this country pretty successfully yeah. in a lot of different ways. And I think people would be amazed to find out some of the things that we've done mm-hmm. and the ways that we've overcome and achieved. Yeah. So go to the library. Read something outside of what you would normally read. Mm-hmm. Read something from a different author. If you're on the left side, read something from the right side. If you're on the right side, read something from the left side. Just seek to understand. Seek to grow. Seek to learn more. Because even if you don't have any experiences with black people or you don't have the opportunity, there's still a change that can happen within you. Yeah. And learning helps that. And then you can move forward. You can teach someone else. You can teach your children. You can teach your parents. So, you know, there's, there's self-growth that we can all kind of take on and move forward with. So, I mean, there's, you know, we'll talk later about resources. And- we'll talk about resources. Yeah, yeah. Sure. I think what's something that's really cool that you said, uh, well, you said, you know, if you're on the left side, read something on the right side. You're on the right side, read something from the left side. Here's the part of that that I think, and every Christian, I think, really needs to put their, check their spirit on this and, and keep themselves in check, is I'm not a right righty or a lefty. Mm-hmm. I'm not on the right side or the left side. If I'm a follower of Christ, Christ right. I am first a citizen of heaven, yep. and I am a follower and a son or daughter of the Most High God, right. which means I might lean in opinions or beliefs in certain areas, right? But that's one of the reasons why I think we continue to see this, this discrimination and polarization is that people are identifying with the wrong thing, right? Mm-hmm. In the church right. especially, right? right. Mm-hmm. And Jesus you know? wasn't a Republican or a Democrat. Right. He wasn't. No. He wasn't. No. He was a socialist. Sorry to break it to you. Wasn't he a socialist? I believe he was a socialist. Yeah, actually, yeah. Him, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Him and that other guy. Yeah, that other guy or whatever. Yeah, he was. No, that's something that we are really in danger of actually failing in. When the church actually, I'm, I've had conversations with people to say, you know, you'd be surprised that there are people at Bridge that they're on the different political spectrum that you are. And when I hear the same thought, it just infuriates me in my heart to say, you know, how could you be a believer and actually side with this? How could you be a believer? And, and the truth of the matter is that there are things on both sides of the political spectrum that Jesus would not endorse. Right. And there are things on both sides of the political spectrum that he would. Right. So what do we Most do in definitely. that situation? We remember that our citizenship is not first in the country that we live in. Right. It's a citizenship of heaven. heaven. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What would you say, Chanel, to people that say, I don't really have 
anything to, to base this I must off say, of. I feel like Will said the majority of it. I was going to say educate yourself, um, do some personal introspection, but also teach your kids or um, even people in your neighborhood, someone who may live in a poor development or something. You can go and reach out, do some type of community service, build a relationship to be able to understand. Don't necessarily have to be a black person, but in your neighborhood, if they are white but live in a poor neighborhood, you can reach out to them as well. Yeah, that's good. That's good. You both touched on the idea of not just doing something, but you talked about personal responsibility to mm-hmm. do something. Right. That just because this isn't happening in my backyard, it doesn't mean I shouldn't respond to it. Right. Um, but, you know, I would say even to go beyond that, because the church, when we talk about racism, when we talk about discrimination, right now the topic is black versus white. Mm-hmm. But there's all kinds of, and you, you mentioned it earlier, there's all kinds of different forms of racism. Right. Um, People can be racist through um, through sex, male or female. Yeah. You know, adults versus children. There's different things that people can uh, wealth and affluence. You can be wealthy or you can be poor, and people discriminate through that. So I would say to anybody, wherever it is that they live, if they're a church follower, a church, they're a Christ follower, a church follower. Forget right. that. If they're a follower of Jesus and they call themselves a follower of Jesus, that they have a responsibility. I have a responsibility to look at my life wherever God has planted me and say, God, where are the broken areas of the world around me that reflect discrimination and racism? And how are you calling me to be salt and light in a dark world? Most right. definitely. You right. know, um, there's, a little, there's a little quote that I have on my desk uh, that I found a number of years ago, and it's just a little tiny piece of paper, and I wrote it down, and I still have it there to this day. And it says, um, even the darkest dark or even the greatest darkness can't extinguish a single candle or something like that. I should have it memorized, but I don't. Um, even the greatest darkness can't extinguish a single candle. And I think there's something about that that we could all learn from. To say, if God's called us to be the light of the world, then we have to make an impact in every place that we live. Right. Most definitely. For, the sake, for the sake of the gospel and right. to bloom where we're planted. Right. Yeah. What about resources? You mentioned something earlier, but is there maybe like one resource or a tool or a website or something that maybe you would? I would recommend? say Netflix has a plethora of yes, documentaries. Right yes. Um, for yeah. history. What was the one that we were talking about? Uh, thir- t- it's called Thirteenth, but 13th. it's basically about the Thirteenth Amendment. So it basically takes. And that's you- actually free right now. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> it's okay. But it's, it's it's literally free right now. Yeah, you don't even free. have to go to Netflix. Yeah. You can go to YouTube and watch Thirteenth. You can watch Thirteenth right. for free. Yeah. yeah so ahead. it takes you basically from when they were freed as slaves and tells you how like systematically they were still in bondage. So yeah. when they first got free, they. Uh, you know, I don't want to use the word conjure up, but kind of put like a stipulation in place like, well, if they can put the blacks in jail, the black, especially the black men, then they still can be oppressed. They can't go mm-hmm. and go work and have their own land and stuff like that. It'd be away from their family. It yeah. will be like for little stuff that they have to do years worth of work for, even build the train tracks and all that stuff while they're locked up um, to advance the country. Um, and it goes all the way up until a point just like a situation of George Floyd where someone is locked up for something they just got blamed for and have to do a time for. Yeah. So. Yeah. One of the resources I was going to mention after you you just said about being locked up was a a movie my wife and I saw a little over a month ago called Just Mercy. Mm -hmm. Um, That's also free right now. It is free. I know they released that free. Highly recommend anybody watch that. Watched it last night. Did you watch it? With wife Yeah. Incredible. I mean, just heart wrenching to see what would happen when someone's locked up, um, through an unjust 
trial process and spend decades of their lives behind bars on death row. Right. Um, again, just examples. I know that one thing I love about you guys is that you're not saying that those things represent every person on this, on this country. You're saying let's educate ourselves mm -hmm. to say that there's still pieces of it that we need right. to deal with today. Right. And above everything else, the church needs to respond. Right. Yeah. Right. So, um, yeah, I'm yeah. so I appreciate you guys being willing to come and talk a little bit today. You know, the things about conversations is that at the end of this, I can I can sit here and I can talk to you and we can go and still we can be friends and we can have a real conversation and and talk about difficult things. That that's that's the beauty of a genuine conversation. Most of mm -hmm. um one other question for you before we wrap up and it's this um what is it most that you would want your friends, your brothers, your sisters, your church family to be able to do, to be able to encourage you through this time? Uh, what's something that people could do? Because you may have people that are actually listening right now and saying like, I don't even know what to do. Yeah, I'll educate myself, but what do I do for you? Right. Mm -hmm. What is it that you would want others? Because when I think about that, I look at you and I go, I don't have the right answers. I don't know what to tell you, um, Will. I don't know what to tell you, Chanel, but I can say, I see you and I've got your back. And I'm on your side. Right. I'm not going to make blanket statements to say everyone's white, who's white's bad, everyone who are political, who are cops are bad. I'm going to say there's injustice here and we need to deal with it and I've got your back. Right. What right. would you say to people that want to find a way to help you? That's, yeah, that's you literally what it. I want. I mean, <laughs> yeah. just empathy. Someone who sees the struggle yeah. and can recognize what's happening and, and just is supportive. Okay. Like I said the other day, check on your black friends. Yeah. Reach out to them. Just say, hey, how you doing? I know there's a lot going on. I've had friends do it. Really? I've had friends from college do it. Friends from elementary school have hit me up like, hey, are you okay? a lot going on right now. Are you okay? How are you doing? Right. Are you yeah. okay? It's, wow. And that means a lot to me. I mean, it doesn't need to be a long, drawn-out conversation. We don't even have to see the same things all the time. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I even like when we don't see the same things because mm -hmm. that's an opportunity for me to grow, and that's an opportunity for them to grow as well. Absolutely. But, you know, just, just check in on your black friends. And if you don't have any black friends, make some. And then check on them. I like that. That's good. What about you, Chanel? I must say, I agree with Same Will. Thing. Yeah. yeah. He said it all. Yeah, he said it all. I must say, I had, I had people check in saying, I love you. I love your family. Mm. Um, and that meant a lot because as a woman, I worry about my husband leaving the house and coming back home. If he were to get pulled over, that this won't happen. Um, even having two young boys, trying to raise them in the environment and also try to teach them, like, this exists. Still treat people kind. Just trying to juggle through all that. But... Yes, check on us. Let us know that we're loved. Let us know that you value us, you see us, you hear us, that you're going to have our back, that your kids, you're teaching your kids, and they're going to have my kids back, especially if we're growing up in the same, having them grow up in the same environment. Um, yeah, just make sure that we hear you, that you're saying you are important to me. Yeah. And can I touch on what she said real quick? Yeah, sure. I mean, as parents, we have to teach our kids a little bit differently in terms of the police. I feel like with everything going on, because of course you're teaching your children to be respectful of the police and to follow their directions. But sometimes for us, that's not enough. And we still end up dying even when we're following directions. So there are things that I have to teach my children in terms of like announcing every single move you make mm -hmm. or, you know, when the police officer comes up to your window, if you're getting pulled over, your hands are on, on the, the dashboard, dashboard so they can yeah. see exactly what you're doing. You're looking them directly in the eye. You're, you're being confident but respectful. You yeah, know. and the difference, because like I would tell my kids the same thing, but here's the difference I'm thinking as I'm listening to you talk. The difference is you don't know who's coming up to that window and if they're going to look at you differently right. than right. they would look at me. Right. They right. may not look at you right. differently, but they might. Right. And that's what I hear you saying. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's good. That's good. You know, I really appreciate you guys being willing to come and just spend some time today to talk about it. Um, my hope in doing this is that it provides an opportunity and a model, if you will, for people that are watching to initiate conversations. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a real proponent for the idea that if you, if you want to say it on social media, you need to have the courage to say it face to face right. as well. Right. And because social media is like the new, uh, um, uh, what is it called? Road rage, mm -hmm. like of the world, like a thin piece of glass separates you and someone else. And all of a sudden you turn into a monster. And I think the internet is even worse. Right. If you're not willing to say it to someone face to face, you shouldn't say it in social media. And there's really no way to have an awesome conversation or a discussion through social media because mm -hmm. all you're seeing are words right. and you're listening to it through your tone, mm -hmm. through right. your context. Right. And it's a dangerous platform to do it that. Right. So if we're going to actually make a difference, we need to have a conversation. Yeah. Right. And that's even if it's uncomfortable, even right. if, well, it's going to be uh, yes, uncomfortable. Yes. It's going to be uncomfortable. And that's okay. And that's okay. Yes. That's okay. Yes. And that's okay to do that because I think it honors God and it shows people that Jesus came not just to, um, to teach a good, a good lesson or to heal the sick. He came to transform the world right. and he came to bring redemption. And that's the beauty of the gospel. He took broken things and he makes them beautiful again. He takes discrimination and he makes unity. You know, right. he takes those that think differently and act differently and he helps us function as one unified body with all the different parts. And that's what we need to pursue. And that's an uncomfortable process a lot of times. It is. That's what changes. It is. Hey, would you guys just take a moment? Can we just pray mm -hmm. as we just wrap up our time together? God, thank you so much that we could just spend some time today and just talk about a really difficult topic. God, I thank you for Will, and I thank you for Chanel, and I thank you for their willingness to come and to just share their hearts and their desires. Lord, we know that this is a messed up situation, and we know that no one, all of the laws in the world, all of the regulations in the world aren't going to fix something that can only be fixed by a heart change. So God, would you, through the power of your Holy Spirit, bring a heart change to this country? God, through the power of your Holy Spirit, would you start by bringing heart change to every believer, every follower of Christ, Lord, that we recognize that the awareness and the education is necessary, but once we grasp a hold of the education, that we go and we make a difference. God, we don't have to turn the world upside down, but you do ask us to make a difference in our community. So Lord, let it start in our hearts. Let it move to our homes. Let it land in our communities, Lord, so the world can be changed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you.